0: Welcome in. We've made it to Friday and IU last night with a big win over Maryland, 74-64. Xavier Johnson, really the story of the game for the Hoosiers, a player that has been up and down and frustrated fans many, many times. Last night he came through in a big way with a great shooting game and just did a lot to help Indiana, too, that must-win game last night to, I think, keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive as they wind down the regular season Big Ten schedule that's ahead. We'll uh, talk more about that and a busy show here in this hour. We've got a very busy weekend. We'll be out at Jeffersonville tonight for the Castle-Jeffersonville game. It's the regular season finale for the Red Devils. Boys basketball, for the most part, in our area, wraps up tonight. There may be... Uh, Just one or two games on Saturday, but most everything wraps up on Friday, which gives teams a little rest before sectionals get underway Tuesday or Friday, depending on the draw of each of our local teams next week. And then, of course, maybe the highlight of the weekend is Silver Creek Girls headed back to the 3A state championship game. They've got a very tough opponent in South Bend, Washington, and Coach Shane's going to join us here in just a moment talk about his Dragons and to talk about the challenge that's ahead and this fun postseason run once again this season representing Silver Creek High School. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment 1, as I mentioned, Coach Shane is going to join us by phone here in just a few minutes. And then later in the show, Dylan Wallace of the Seymour Tribune, he's the sports editor there. He'll be with us to recap all the details from last night's IUN over Maryland, Xavier Johnson, NCAA tournament bubble. There's so many reasons why it was a big game for the Hoosiers last night, and we'll cover that coming up here in segment two. And then later in the show, Fridays, as always, when Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star stops by. We'll take a look at all of the girls' state championship games scheduled for Gainbridge Fieldhouse on Saturday, and uh, we'll recap the boys' season. It's hard to believe that the girls' state championships are here and the boys' regular seasons are are closing. Uh, it has been a fast, fast year, and Kyle will join us to recap everything a little bit later in the hour today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. A reminder, the Thornton's text line is open. It's always open here on the show, 502-414-1450. Again, 502 502- 414 1450. Download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. And let's get right to it. Our first guest today, Coach Shane of the Silver Creek Lady Dragons. Coach, another big victory last Saturday. And I tell you what, we had a chance, we've, we've talked about your team a lot this week, but we had a chance to catch up with Kennedy Mason Striverson on Wednesday. And it reminded me of last year in the tournament run when we were able to talk to some of your seniors and some of your players heading into last year's championship game. Uh, You've got great ladies both on and off the court. She was a very well-spoken representative of your team. And I had a number of texts in to the show that just uh, they may have not known anything about your team or seen them play at all, but they were very, very impressed by what she had to say.
2: Yeah, man, well first thank you for uh, having me back on the on the radio. And yeah, how uh, yeah, Kennedy's special in a lot of different ways. Not just not just on the basketball court, you know, everybody sees her out there on the ball court and she's, you know, calm, collect, you know, makes big plays, but then, you know, off the floor she's so well spoken and uh, you know, she has such a, a high IQ, um, you know, in 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 and just uh, you know, couldn't be more proud of her, you know, as a representative of our program.
0: One other thing before we get into Saturday's game, Josh Cook, uh, who's with us Wednesdays here on the show, he had a great story about you and your family your sister Brittany is now an assistant coach for Silver Creek and of course your dad Randall also uh, I think this is year number two for him as an assistant coach on your staff how different how neat has this year been not just with your dad but now with your sister who was a great high school player helped South Central to the 1A state championship game some years back how neat has that been for you to experience this truly with family
2: well, yeah, I mean it's been great, you know. And I'm selfish, you know. I I brought her on not because of family, but because of her basketball mind and uh, and her relation, you know. And and she's young enough to relate to these girls uh, and to these kids because I'm getting a little older. But uh, but it's been it's been wonderful, you know. Anytime, um, you know, like we said, and you no, know, they did a really a, a great article. And uh, anytime you can share unforgettable moments with family, you know, and with people that you love, there's no better there's no better feeling, you know, and, uh, to win it last year with dad and then for this, you know, remarkable run that we're making on right now. And, uh, to have, you know, a little sister there, you know, with me, uh, has been remarkable. It's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to have them on my side.
0: Coach Shane of Silver Creek with us. His Dragons will uh, take uh, effort in the state championship game, 3A game at 6 p.m. or there approximately on Saturday, and we'll be courtside to bring you the broadcast from that game as well. Let's talk about the game on Saturday. Obviously, you guys have had a great run to get back to a state championship that in itself is a big accomplishment, but now you're going to face your toughest competition of the season in number one ranked South Bend, Washington who comes into the game 26 and three and they've just got loads of division one talent. There's going to be a lot of girls on that uh, South Bend, Washington roster that already are committed to play division one women's basketball at a very high level.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of talent on that basketball floor. Uh, you know, Saturday at six oh seven, and uh, you know they're 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 really good. Um, you know, but but you got to be good. I mean, you're you know you don't. I don't know of any team that's made it to the state championship and they played they played a, a pushovers. You know, uh, you make it that far, you you have to be doing something right, and you have to have talent. Uh, honestly, you really got to have some skilled players, and and they do. You know, they got the sisters, uh, Amia Reynolds, uh, Maya Reynolds, and then uh, Kira Reynolds. You know, that the kind of front liners that you hear a lot about, but they also have. Uh, Rashonda Jones, you know, a Purdue commit that uh, is, is really, really good. You know, she's really good in a lot of different aspects of the game. So, yeah, they're, they're going to, you know, they got a lot of talent on that floor. Um, you know, we're, we're hoping that the fact that you know our our team chemistry is huge for us. You know, our togetherness is huge for us, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of our strength is is we're we're more of uh, the pack. You know, <laughs> not, not necessarily the wolf, but our strength is in our pack.
0: Coach, uh, we talked about this earlier in the the season, but you have really prepared for a game like this in the state championship by the schedule you played in the regular season. And right now we've had a really good girls scene locally. The Mid-Southern Conference has been tough this year and in recent seasons. So some of the normal teams on the schedule have offered you challenges, but uh, you took matters into your own hands the last few years. You've traveled far and wide to play the best in Indiana and sometime even beyond the state's borders. Uh, those experiences and that travel when you get this deep into the postseason and you're preparing for a, a finale game, that's got to play in your favor.
2: Oh yeah, and that's why we do those things, Matt. I mean, honestly, whenever we look at our schedule, our conference is so good. I mean, our conference is tough. Um, uh, you know, night in and night out. I mean, we already, you know, that's eight games that you have that are gonna play against really good teams and, and also teams that know you so well, you know, and they, they take things away from you. But but then but that's how I tell the girls, I said that's why we went to Bowling Green. You know, we went to Bowling Green or down to Owensboro and played Bowling Green and then had to get up that next morning at 11 and be, and play again at, you know, Southern Indiana against Evansville North, a very good basketball team. You know, at at 11 we played Central High School. We played Columbus East, Bedford. You know, and we do that just like what you you had said, we do that to prepare our kids so we can honestly walk into a situation and say, "Hey, look, we've we've been in this situation before." You know, our season you know, we put you in situation. Everything that we do is purposeful. And that's kind of, you know, the girls preach that too, that everything we do is purposeful. There's nothing that we do uh, that isn't thought out, you know, and there isn't a game plan for it. You know, there's a reason that we, we want to go and play Columbus. There's a reason we scheduled Columbus East this year, you know, and was able to go play them for their length, for their athletic ability, you know, their size. Uh, Bedford you know, knows Bedford. I mean, it's, you know, there you're playing against a blue chip program who, uh, you know, they're so good at what they do uh, central, so athletic, you know, Bowling Green, Bowling Green had three B1 kids, you know, they had six foot two kid, a six foot one kid, you know, so and then, you know, then we do that in the hopes that, you know, somewhere along the line, somewhere along the season that we can fall back on that experience.
0: Scott Shane, head coach of the Silver Creek Girls, they'll play in a state championship game on Saturday evening, joining us right now. Coach, back to the game Saturday. Yeah. Give us some keys to the game if Silver Creek's going to defend this title and bring another state championship back to southern Indiana.
2: Yeah, we can't turn the ball over. You know, they they get after you. They they really run and jump you and press you and get after you. And, you know, and we, can't, we can't give them points, you know, uh, uh, we've we got to make sure that we're not, you know, we got to cut our turnovers. And we, we typically don't turn the ball over, knock on wood. You know, we're typically pretty good in that department, but I don't know if we've seen, you know, they're they're athletic and they're long, you know, so we're going to have to be really careful with the basketball. That's number one. Uh, number two is rebounding. You know, they average 16 offensive rebounds a game. Um, they average 38 rebounds a game. I mean, then in, in comparison, we average 27, you know, and we're not a bad rebounding team. Um, so that's going to be huge. I mean, we, we got to stay close with them. On uh, on the boards, I even had a T-shirt made that said, "I stole some from Pat Riley." No rings, no or no no rebounds, no rings. You know, we <laughs> have to make sure. Hey, we have to make sure that we're battling, and then we got to make shots. I mean, I think uh, you know, last year in the state final game, I think that's exactly what it came down to was you had two teams that were evenly matched, and then uh, you know we were able to knock down some big shots. You know, uh, it could come come through with a couple threes and a couple steals. Um, So, we're going to, you know, got to take care of the ball, got to rebound, and then we just, we got to make shots, you know. Pretty easy. Doesn't sound too hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> coach, coach Shane is with us, coach, uh, to go through this postseason ride. Once again, I know you've had tremendous support from Sellersburg and really Southern Indiana, but as a coach, How easier is this thing the second time around, or is it easier? Maybe it's not, but you've got senior (laughs) leadership. You've got coaches that have been there. Some of these new deals when you, when you have practices and you have special opportunities and everybody's tugging on you to come here or there and you're scouting, getting ready for these high level opponents, I guess, is it easier the second time around or is there always pressure and is it always a challenge?
2: It's always pressure and always a challenge. I think you know, the only easy thing about it is, again, you've been in it once. You know, we went through it last year. So you kind of have an idea of of kind of the, the format of things. You know, you understand that people are going to feed you. And, uh, you know, I told our girls, hey, you keep winning, you keep eating. That's the number one thing if you want to eat because I got big hungries on my team. They like to eat. <laughs> uh, keep winning, you keep eating. You know, but uh, but it's awesome. You know, Um it's awesome the community. I mean, you know, the coaches reaching out, congratu- you know, congratulating us. Uh, you know, uh, it's 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 been great. But I think the most important thing is just understanding it a little bit. You know, understanding kind of what is, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen. Uh, you know, the the TV timeouts. You know, I think are huge when you get to the. And I you know, and I'm fortunate that Coach Hoffman, you know, Brandon, and I sat down and talked last year uh, prior to it, and uh, he said, like, "Man, the biggest thing, Scott, is the TV timeouts." He's like, you know, you don't realize realize how long those suckers are. And uh and that helped me when I went in. Uh also uh it uh you know, it, it helps us for this year, you know, understanding that, you know, just just the whole format of things.
0: Absolutely. Scott Shane, my guest coach, we we wish you the very best. We look forward to being courtside with you uh, to broadcast the game on Saturday evening. Always a fun environment, and to see you guys have the success you did last year and replicate it again this year has just been really awesome for girls' basketball in our area. So, again, best of luck, and uh, when we talk next, it'll be at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Exciting stuff.
2: Hey, I look forward to seeing you up here, Matt. Hey, uh, I appreciate everything you do for girls' basketball.
0: All right, thank you Go very Dragons. much. Thank you Go very Dragons. much. Go thank Dragons. you <laughs> very much, absolutely. Go <laughs> Dragons. I think a lot of people in southern Indiana uh, feel that way. Send off later today, I'm told, uh, from the Silver Creek parking lot. So hopefully I know the Sellersburg people will turn out strong and uh, send these ladies off to Indianapolis with a boost of confidence. They've got a big one coming up with number one ranked South Bend, Washington on Saturday. By the way, in Indianapolis, our pregame coverage will begin around 540. The tip-off, I think Coach Shane said it, it's a little after 6. It's set for 6.07 p.m. So uh, if you can't make the game, we'll have the full play-by-play story. Uh, We'll get you set for the game. We'll have plenty of coverage from Indianapolis coming up on Saturday. We'll head to a break. We're back to tell you all about the IU win last night big one for the Hoosiers they take down Maryland and it was Xavier Johnson that led the way he was almost unstoppable last night and we'll recap the game and talk more about Xavier's performance and where this Indiana team stands next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Friday program. Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, is my guest. Dylan is always with us Fridays to talk IU basketball, and sometime we get into some other stuff. But, uh, Dylan, big win for IU last night with their backs against the wall. And who would have thought that Xavier Johnson would lead the way for this Indiana team in a big way?
3: Yeah, it was a really, really impressive performance from Xavier last night. Um, and you, you can kind of tell right from the start, too. He had a couple of aggressive drives. He had a couple of really nice assists. And you're like, okay, you know, he seems pretty locked in, making a lot of the right decisions. And then he picks up two fouls pretty quick and he sits for basically the whole first half. And, uh, you know, credit to Indiana's bench. I thought they came in and, and really kind of held serve, did a really nice job. Um, they obviously had a little bit of a, of a falter at, toward the end of like the last four minutes of the first half, but uh, they, did, they did what they had to do. And then Xavier plays the entire second half doesn't miss a shot from the field. He's three of three from the three-point line, which was, um, I that's probably the biggest shock, is, is just the three-pointer he was able to knock down. And they look, I mean, as, as funky as his motion is, I mean, they look kind of okay. It looked like they had a little bit more kind of air under them than they usually do. Um, so so that was kind of nice to see. Uh, and he just, he just played really well. Um, you know, I, I think he didn't really have any kind of egregious turnovers, and he just really played smart, and he played aggressive, and he was exactly what Indiana needed, you know, him and Race Thompson who just had like a the quietest 19 points I think I've ever seen. Um they they were just stellar and they and you know when Indiana kind of has been playing well, those two have been potentially the two bo- best or most important players on the floor. So, uh really really big especially with, you know, Trey Galloway and Rob Finney still out, you know, kind of the secondary ball handlers, you know, it, the load of him is to run the team is basically all on him. So, um he he did off awesome. he was he was awesome to watch last night. Um you know, he had the he had the big Big dunk that brought the house down. Um, So, I mean, a really good performance from him. And one Indiana really needed because, you know, uh, up until the suspension he was playing well. But then after that Northwestern game, you know, he's really struggled the last three games or so. So it was good to see him get back on track. And uh, Indiana needed that win. No matter how how it went down, you know I don't I don't care if it was a buzzer beater at the end or whatever. They just needed to get a win last night, and uh, X kind of led them to victory. So it was really nice to see. And
0: I don't want uh, Dylan uh, Dylan. I don't want Race Thompson to go unnoticed. He had a I thought just a very solid game last night. Nineteen points and nine rebounds. So just one rebound away from a double double. He's been very good, very consistent for Indiana uh, most of these games as well. It,
3: they just have a really nice luxury because with, if teams want to double trace right away, which Maryland was doing last night, Indiana can just say, "Okay, you don't want to double him? We'll, we'll post up Race Thompson, who will probably be matched up against a smaller forward on the other team." You know, there's not a lot of times where Race Thompson is, you know, back to the basket against a guy that's a lot bigger than him. You know, he usually has a favorable matchup, and Indiana has exploited that from t- at times this season, and uh, they were able to do that last night and uh, race was able to make the most of it. And uh, he's been doing that a lot this year. He's just been really, really solid. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of the passes that the guys made to him for easy buckets were really good too. Um, he's, he's just everywhere. You know, he, he almost had a double double. I think he only had nine rebounds, but he's cleaning up the glass. He's doing everything. He's defending well. I mean, he's just, he's just everywhere for this team. And, um, you know, I, I think he's probably the most important player on the roster, just, just in terms of what he does on both ends of the floor and how he connects everything. Um, but, yeah, he he was great last night as well. And, uh, you know, before Xavier kind of had those last couple points, the last threes he made, um, I looked up at the, the score. and I was like, oh, race Thompson is 19. He, he leads Indiana. Like, I didn't even really realize that. And that's just kind of what he does. You know, he goes under the radar and just continues to have stellar performance after stellar performance. So uh, he, he's been awesome. And uh, those two have to continue to keep it up. And if Trace can get going a little bit too, you know, if they have that three-headed monster – on their game, game in and game out, they're going to be tough to beat, and that's just a fact.
0: All right, Dylan Wallace is joining me to talk about IU's win last night over Maryland. There's other things to get to from last night, but where does this win, Dylan, put IU as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned?
3: You know, I think it keeps them about where they were heading into it. Um, obviously, the, the if you got a loss there, that was going to be the catastrophic result. You know, you definitely would have dropped out of the tournament. Um, I think heading into last night, basically everyone still had Indiana in it, but they were more toward kind of that last four in, last four by kind of category. And uh, after beating Maryland last night, I think they're still in the, at that same spot, you know. It doesn't really move the needle a whole lot. It just doesn't drop you off, which was the big thing. You know, you just needed to get the win, kinda of stay where you are. So I think they're still around that last four, and they're still really close to the bubble, if not a little bit ahead of it. So um, they still got a lot of work to do. You know, you can't you can't go lose on the road to Minnesota. You really need to win that home game against Rutgers. So I mean, about everything that we've been saying still holds true. You know, you got to win these two. You gotta win two of the next three games to close out this regular season um, to kind of keep your your hopes alive. And and if they do that, they might be in good shape or they might need to win one game in the Big Ten Tournament. You know, it kind of depends how other teams are performing around the bubble as well. So, going to be a lot of moving pieces, but uh, they took care of business in terms of kind of their resume, and, and I think they're still around that last four-in spot. Um, and they're just going to have to keep, continue to win and build off of this, because you need to get those two more wins against Minnesota and home against Rutgers to really kind of solidify, or at least feel at least decent, heading into the Big Ten Tournament.
0: Just talking about the NCAA Tournament a bit more, I agree with you, Dylan, that you got to win these two coming up. I think Purdue in West Lafayette's going to be really hard. The Boilermakers playing great, I, I think, very likely if things pan out the way they could, uh, number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, anything is possible. The Indiana beat Purdue. We know that. That was maybe the win of the season uh, at Assembly Hall back earlier in the year. But uh, Minnesota on the road doesn't worry or scare me that much. I think that's a very winnable game even if Indiana doesn't have the offensive output they had last night. But the more and more I watch of Rutgers and have followed them closely here the last week or so, uh, I think they're a very dangerous opponent for IU, even at Assembly Hall in Bloomington.
3: I agree with that. Um, And and I think Rutgers kind of had Indiana's number over the last two or three years. Um, No matter where the game has been played, they've been able to just kind of take it to them and then get the win. And, you know, they they sort of play – a uh, similarish style to Indiana, you know, where they, you know, they rely a lot on the defense, and the offense has has not been good, but it can be. And um, I think, you know, with a guy like Ron Harper Jr., you know, he's just he's just been awesome to watch this year. Paul mcKay he's also been really solid. I mean, they just got a lot of good good kind of scrappy players, um, and. I think it's going to be a really tough game for Indiana um because this is a team that's just not going to back down and they're going to try to take it to Indiana and they're going to be playing for a tournament spot too you know I think they're you know they they've helped their case a little bit I think they're a little bit ahead of Indiana in terms of where they are in the tournament but you know they have a really tough schedule to close out the year as well so they got some, you know I think they host Wisconsin on Saturday so that's a big game for them so they're going to be playing for a lot too in that game uh, this upcoming Wednesday in Assembly Hall, and you know, I hope Indiana treats it like a huge game. Like I hope they treat it like it's a Wisconsin or it's a Purdue coming into town, because they, they're going to need that crowd to be fired up and ready to go. Because that could that's a that's going to be a huge game for them. Um, if if they obviously you know they need to win at Minnesota too, and you know Minnesota just just only lost by one at home to Wisconsin, so you know they they, they can show some things. Uh, they could they can be difficult, I guess, at times. And uh, you know Johnny Davis fouled out down the stretch there, so that might have contributed to some of the how close it was at the end, but. Um, you know, you got to take care of business at the barn, and then I hope, you know, I hope it's a big game atmosphere for that records game because you're right. I mean, this team is uh, is definitely scary to face at this time. I mean, they they've been able to take it to a lot of Big Ten teams. You know, we all know the kind of the record. They're you know they've beaten like all top five Big Ten teams this year at some point. So. Uh, they're really scrappy, and they're going to be playing for a lot. They're going to be playing for just as much as Indiana probably will be playing for. So that's going to be a huge game. Uh, I'm excited. I hope the environment's awesome for it because it could be really exciting and, and fun to watch.
0: Dylan Wallace, my guest, Dylan, is the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. All right, offense was good last night. The offense had been very stagnant and uh, not consistent at all uh, in a number of these losses. In fact, most of the losses that I use had, Uh, will there be, obviously there was improvement last night, will there be some consistency come out of this? That's always the key. Yes, Indiana has made some adjustments and made improvements at various times over the season, but then often, even in a win, they seem to be lost or they seem to lose momentum on whatever area, defense, offense, a certain player's production. Uh, They seem to lose that momentum. Can this team... Learn from that last night and continue down the path of an offense that can be uh, somewhat explosive at times.
3: I think it's going to rely kind of heavily on Xavier Johnson. You know, if he if he's able to continue to you know attack the paint, get into the paint, kind of dice up the defense, create. The defense to collapse, kick it out the shooters, you know, dump it off to the race or trace. Like if he's able to to do what he did last night, and I, I'm not even saying you know shoot seven to seven from the field and score twenty four points. I just mean the way he kind of had a control on the game. If he's able to do that, and just give you ten points, but he's just dishing the ball out, he's not turning the ball over, he's making a lot of good decisions, he's getting the team good open shots. Then I think they they can, you know, I think it's going to rely heavily on him, um, especially if Trey Galloway continues to be out or Rob um, I I think. You know, Brandon Gordon said on the, the broadcast last night that Rob Finnesey's nearing a return. Now, I don't know. I mean, Woodson said at some point a like, week or two ago that he doesn't think Rob would be back anytime soon. So that's kind of interesting. And then maybe maybe we'll be surprised and Rob could come back Hopefully soon, but you know with with those two still sidelined, you know it's going to be a lot on on Xavier to kind of create for this team and um if, if he if he 's able to play like he does last night in terms of just the aggressiveness and and looking for the, to make the right play, then I think they can and uh, and I think they've gotten a lot of really nice contributions from from Tamar Bates and Anthony Leal um, you know Tamar Bates obviously had, hit some big shots against Ohio State. I thought he played pretty solid last night, you know nothing will jump out on the score sheet but I think he, he he just played, and he just looks like he belongs on the floor now. You know, I think he feels a lot more comfortable with himself. And Anthony Leal is just every time he comes in, I feel like he's just making right the right play. You know, he, he had a really nice corner three uh, off an assist from Michael Durr, who also played well last night. Um, he had a couple of like you know got in the middle of the paint and dumped it off the race Thompson for some nice passes. You know he defends hard, so I think the bench guys have really kind of helped out. You know especially Leo and Bates because just they, them just coming in and, and kind of not making too many mistakes and playing hard and and you know getting making open shots they get. Uh, they've been really good too, and um, and I and I, just thought, I just thought the whole team kind of played well last night. And they if they can get solid contributions from from all their guys. You know, even if it's just Durr coming in for four minutes, if he just plays well, or Geronimo coming in for six minutes, you know, if they can just get continue to get those kind of contributions from guys, I think they'll be in a good shape. And and I think the biggest thing for them is, yes, we, we know the offensive consistency needs to pick up, but it seems like the defense is going to be solid the rest of the way. Like, it seems like that's what they can count on, and it seems like that's not going to drop off. I mean, I'm, I remember last year, the defense completely just fell off a cliff uh, in the final, you know, stretch of games and you know hopefully hopefully you know they they feel a little bit better than themselves right now to where that won't happen and they're going to continue to defend hard Um, but I think the offense you know if they continue to just you know get small contributions from guys and Xavier continues to be aggressive like he has been um, then I think I think the offense could could look just fine Um, and I think the movement has been a lot better as of late too I don't think it's as stagnant as it has been which is really nice to see Um, and that that has a lot a lot to do with just Xavier, you know, penetrating the paint and then be able to kick out and make plays and stuff like that. So uh, they're going to need it. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can, they kind of get a morale boost at Minnesota as well. You know, they're, they're not going to, you know, be a crazy defensive team that Indiana will struggle against. So hopefully they're able to kind of get some more consistency two games in a row uh, heading into that big Rutgers game.
0: All right, Dylan, two, uh, two lighthearted items here for you from last night. First off, uh Jordan Geronimo. What what in the world what in the world was that? He he pushed the ball down on the floor I don't even know what it was and it went through the hoop. He tweeted after the game, does that count as a rebound and a basket? Which that's actually a good question, but what in the world was that last night?
3: I've never seen that in my <laughs> life before. I mean, I, I like I you know, we've all like I think we've all like done like a shot and horse where you like you you try to bounce it off the ground and into the hoop, something like that. Um, and I was actually at the game last night. I just remember, like, he, like, spikes it on the ground. and The ball's coming up in the air. And then everyone's kind of like, wait, wait, wait. Is this actually going to, like, go in the hoop? And, and it did. <laughs> and the place went crazy. I mean, they got up. Like, Indiana just went on, like, a 12-0 run and made a bunch of threes. Like, that's how loud it got in the arena afterward. And, of course, Maryland goes down and, like, you know, bricks it off the iron and it bounces high in the air and falls in right after that. So there were, like, two crazy bounces and back-to-back plays. But, I've never seen that before, and it's just a testament to kind of his pursuit of the basketball. You know, he's always been a really good rebounder, and you know he's he's been pretty good at free throw rebounds as well, uh, especially when Indiana's shooting them. So that was really awesome to see, and I I believe it did count as a rebound and a basket. I know he got two points for it because it flashed up on the screen when he scored his first two points of the game, Um, and I think he got a rebound as well. So that's good good for him, Um, and that was. I mean that was the first. I mean it's it's really cool. I mean I've never seen anything like that before, and it was really fun. And it got the crowd really. Everyone was kind of smiling. Everyone got kind of fired up about it. So it was fun to see.
0: All right, I'm curious where you'll stand on this. The uniforms last night. Um, I understand that we're in an age where uh, that's maybe a recruiting tool to have some different versions of their of your uniform, and you know maybe to honor a certain um, you know just to have a certain uniform that represents something. I get all that. When the game first came on last night, I thought, what's going on here? It looked like a little bit of a gray hue on the side of the pants, a lot like Ohio State on, on TV last night. So I wasn't a fan. I, I like their traditional uniforms. I understand our world's changing. I understand that uh, kids and recruits want to see different versions of uniforms, and that's kind of a popular thing that has really gained some traction in college basketball in recent recent years. But I'm curious, your thoughts on the uniforms last night?
3: Yeah, that they're all right. Um, I didn't like how they had some of like the the design on the Indiana across the chest. Um, I didn't mind it down the side of the jersey. I thought that looked fine, but I didn't like how it was kind of like in the background of the Indiana that was across their chest in the front of the jersey. That looked a little uh, weird to me, and it, you know, you kind of like, well, what's that? But I mean, yeah, I mean, they just did it. You know, in terms of kind of just Black History Month, I think I think a lot of teams have done that. Have, have had kind of you know different designs on their jerseys uh, throughout this month as well, but uh, I think that's probably the only time they're going to wear them, and they'll go back to uh, you know they'll go back to the normal red uh, on the road uh, at Minnesota, and then probably just the normal white at home uh, against Rutgers. But yeah, I mean I, I think that those are all right, but yeah, the, uh, the the design behind the Indiana across the chest kind of caught me off guard a bit. Um because usually you don't really see kind of that messed with uh very much. And I feel like, you know, you're right. A lot of a lot of schools do like to have these kind of cool alternate jerseys or whatnot. Um, but Indiana has always been one that hasn't really kind of gone to that very much. I think they've kept it pretty traditional. I mean, they have a couple of times here or there where they'll where they'll have like that one off time where they'll wear something special. But I mean, there's a lot of teams who like kind of switch it up. Pretty pretty frequently throughout the season in terms of these alternate kind of jerseys, but I feel like Indiana does a pretty nice job of keeping it kind of traditional with just their you know their cream and crimson you know white white on the road and red at, red at, or white at home, red on the road. So uh, I don't think we'll kind of see these jerseys again, but I mean you never know. I mean I remember a couple like maybe it was like 2014, the women's team wore like pink jerseys for breast cancer this month, and they won. And they were in a kind of losing streak, which obviously the men's team just was. And they ended up wearing like the pink jerseys like for the rest of the year, even in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so it's like a good luck charm. And it was kind of a cool story. I doubt Indiana will do that. I doubt they're that superstitious. Um, and I think we'll, we'll see the traditional jerseys uh, for uh, the next couple games.
0: All right, Dylan Wallace is my guest. I can't let the conversation end. You know, you're in Seymour. You're you're uh, right there at Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium. The, the sectional uh, begins next week. I think the bracket's awesome. There should be some great games Tuesday, Friday, and we're hoping for a big championship game on Saturday. So, uh, gotta gotta bring up the sectional for a moment at least. I know you're uh, ready for it, and it I think will be your first postseason in Seymour, if I'm correct.
3: Yep, it sure will be my first postseason in Seymour, and uh, fortunately for me, I'll actually be at, at Edgewood uh, because I'll be covering Brownstown's boys team. Um, because we got a we have like a, a freelancer guy who who covers the Seymour team for us. Um, so I'll be, I won't actually be in the gym um, unless if Brownstown loses. I might be able to catch like a, a game Saturday if they get there. But uh, I'm sure I'll see the gym around regional or semi-state time as well. Um, depending how you know the other teams in Jackson County shake out, but yeah, I mean it's it, it's exciting, and you know I kind of went in the other day, and then they gave me like a, you know this this kind of lengthy thing about how the tickets are going to work. You know there won't be any cash, just through the GoFan app, which I think a lot of schools are doing. So you know that's something for fans to look out for, and I'm excited. It should be a really cool slate. You know, um, obviously we got some some good games Tuesday. Um seymour's on on friday you know they they got their first buy, I think in that section in like fourteen years, I think, which is kind of crazy um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited you know, I think there'll be a lot of really cool games i think the the bracket worked out nicely to where you know you could have some really good matchups on uh on on all three days um, so it should be exciting and uh i'm I'm excited to see that gym a little more full than I have seen it, you know i I want to see it as packed as it can be. Um, because I, I I I just really want to see I, I haven't really seen many many of the bleachers pulled down in the upper deck you know for games so I'm I'm excited to kind of see all that kind of happen and uh, we should be in for some good games I think the Hoosiers conference was kind of competitive this year for for the most part um, and you know Seymour's obviously having a really good season so it's good for me and my coverage because uh, you know it's fun when when your teams are winning.
0: All right, uh, final thing for you. I'm glad you mentioned tickets because I had a text on the uh, Thornton's text line uh, for Dylan Wallace. It says, several New Albany fans, including my season ticket group, will not be attending the Seymour venue for the upcoming tournament due to the digital ticketing and added added service charge. Do you know of any possibility this could be changed? Many others are not using this system, so we will enjoy the Borden sectional this year instead. I've had a lot of questions from some of the old-time fans in uh, this area, especially New Albany. You've got season ticket holders that have been doing this year in and year out. Uh, You may not have an answer for that, but digital ticketing is something that has caused some people some frustration and a little higher prices Uh, When you're coming in, there is a service charge connected to that.
3: Yeah, um, well, I don't think they're going to go to cash at all. Um, I I met with the assistant AD a couple days ago, and he kind of wanted me to put out an article just like detailing kind of how the tickets are going to work. And um, they made it pretty clear there's going to be no cash at the door, and it's through that GoFan app. And, you know, there's there's like all-session tickets right now available for like $10 through it. And then it'll be $6 single-session tickets that go on sale like, you know, Tuesday, you know, $6 tickets will be available through that app. And then, you know, for the Friday games, $6 tickets will be available on Wednesday. And then the Saturday tickets will be available on Saturday morning through the app. So, I, 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 yeah, I completely understand it's a little, you know, it's not as convenient as just being able to go out or pay cash or have, you know, an easier way to go through it but it just seems like that's kind of the route that, that they're going. And I think they said it's because it's, it's you know, it's an IHSA event. So I think that's, that's kind of the, the thing that's kind of making them do it. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, I don't think it's going to change up, uh, at least for the sectional. I don't, Maybe if there's enough kind of blowback about it, they could potentially change it for the regional or semi-state. But as far as the sectional, no, it'll it'll completely be the digital through the GoFan app. Uh, which which uh, you know, I don't blame people if they're if it's a little inconvenient because I totally get that. But that's kind of I feel like that's kind of the way we're trending with a lot of tickets. You know, not as much paper tickets anymore. Kind of unfortunate because I always used to like to keep those. You know, I like to kept kept keep the stubs or keep it in a scrapbook or something like that.
0: Absolutely. Dylan Wallace with me from the Seymour Tribune. Dylan, you're the sports editor. You, you get to assign who goes where. You should have assigned yourself to, to Seymour and Lloyd E. Scott next week. But ho- <laughs> hope to catch up with you at some point next week. And, again, thanks for being with us on Fridays.
3: Yep, sounds good. Thank all right,
0: you. we'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with our final segment of the show and final segment of the week. Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star will be with us. We'll t- get you set for all of the girls State championship games coming up tomorrow morning. There's a morning session with the 1A, 2A game, and then the evening session, which includes Silver Creek, the 3A and 4A game uh, from Gainbridge Fieldhouse on Saturday. We'll talk boys basketball, get you ready for the sectionals there, get Kyle's read across the state on that, and much more. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Back with our final segment, Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star is my guest, and Kyle A lot of discussion this week about the girls' state finals on Saturday. Silver Creek is our local participant. They have made their way through the bracket and will take on a very good South Bend, Washington team uh, to start the evening session from Gainbridge Fieldhouse. 6 p.m. is the scheduled start. It's going to get started just a little after that. It will be on there about 5.40 with our pregame coverage. Uh, Tell us more about South Bend, Washington and your thoughts on this matchup we had coach Shane of silver Creek with us a little bit earlier in the hour. And it's, it's a tall challenge. I do believe this time around for silver Creek.
1: Yeah. I think this is a South Bend Washington team that you could say, you know, if you, if you put a, uh, you know, a, a bracket together of teams who are all in the state finals or, or put them in a situation where you're sort of like a tournament champion situation, I think they could potentially win it, you know, and I, you know, they're, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, they got notoriety back when Skylar Diggins was playing, obviously, and they were a 4A program back then. So, uh, you know, they've had success, you know, going back years. And I know Coach Reynolds there uh, obviously has a really good group of players, Div- Division One uh, players kind of up and down the roster. So, you know, that's going to be a tall challenge. I think they're a team that, you know, they could, you know, they they are probably the favorite, I would say, you know, going into it. They're, you um, know, uh, you know, even though they're playing a really good Silver Creek team that's got a, you know, a, a um, you know history, I guess, of making the this, this state finals. You know, it, it's it's going to be a tall task. So, you know, just a really good team, and and you know, obviously, when you got that type of talent, uh, Rashonda Jones, who's going to Purdue, is one of their star players. You know, they've got a you know several players who can who can get the job done. So it'll be a tall task, uh, you know, for Silver Creek tomorrow night.
0: Kyle, let's go through the other games as well. In the 1A 1A game, Tecumseh, uh, who I got to see uh, the second half of their game in the semi-state last week down here at Jeff. Uh, They will take on Lafayette Central Catholic Forest Park. The Southern Indiana side of things in the 2A game, they'll take on Frankton. And then the 4A game after the Silver Creek South and Washington game, Franklin Community, the team that knocked out Bedford North Lawrence, they will take on Noblesville. Your, your thoughts on the day? It's always a fun day to get out and see some basketball. You normally see a lot of great players, a lot of great coaches, and of course, teams in any state finals situation. But your take on uh, what's scheduled for Saturday?
1: Yeah, I think you got four matchups that are really interesting, and, and I think uh, all of them have the chance to be competitive. I don't, I don't see a, a blowout. Uh, in any of those games, so I think that's what you always are kind of hoping for. And then I think the nightcap, uh, you know, those are, you know, I don't know, you know, they're they're more local teams here to us, so you know we know them a little bit better. But you know, two teams that really like to push the pace, and Franklin will shoot a ton of three point three point shots. And you know, Noblesville is a team I think people know Ashlyn Shade, who's a junior and she's a UConn commit uh she's just a really really good player but they also they have a lot of other uh good pieces around her too and they've kind of taken the you know the probably the toughest route to to get here of any team in the state you know they had to get through that really tough sectional and then win the regional with homestead in there and then knock off defending champ uh, crown point last week so just a lot of uh, tough games along the way i think they're probably uh probably the pick if you would look at it over franklin but you know, Franklin also has has played a really good schedule this year, and and like I said, they're a fun team to watch. If you're just looking for a kind of an enjoyable team to watch, uh, you know they they take a ton of three point shots and they make them at a at a really high rate. So, you know, they haven't scored quite as much. Mooresville so they had to kind of grind it out against a team that knew them really well in the in the semi state last week, but uh, got it done. And you know, should be a should be I think a really good nightcap tomorrow night.
0: All right, Kyle, the boys' basketball season wraps up. Basically, tonight, there may be a few hang-on hang, uh, hang on games Saturday uh, getting ready for the sectionals that begin Tuesday for most people uh, next week. Obviously, a huge week ahead for the boys. The sectional week is always a very hectic, but fun week, and as you reflect back on the boys' basketball season and you start to get in postseason mode, can you take us through, uh, and I, I'm talking on a statewide level here, not necessarily a southern Indiana level, can you take us through your your thoughts on the season and maybe uh, a pick or two you have for the upcoming boys' postseason?
1: Yeah, I'm working on stuff today, actually, about uh, you know previewing the sectional uh, brackets and you know what we might see and i know we've talked about it a lot but i think probably the parody and forays is maybe the the, the biggest storyline of all uh for this season and it makes and it should make the sectional really fun you know looking at the the matchups for next week uh, because you know i if you ask me to pick who comes out of noblesville I, I really don't know you know that's the one with fishers carmel westfield uh who has Braden smith now um, you know zionsville with logan imes he's uh, back from his ankle injury. So, all those, all four of those teams, and then you throw Noblesville and Hamilton Southeastern in there, who are not bad either. uh You know, that's probably the best sectional in the state this year. Carmel, of course, the defending champ with, you know, all their seniors, Pete Suter included, and then, you know, a Fisher's team that's right now ranked number two in the state uh, behind Chesterton. And, you know, they have a very tough draw in the first game on Wednesday against Westfield. So, that will be, you know, I'm sure all the way sold out probably at Noblesville or should be. Uh, I would expect it to be and and should be a great atmosphere uh, out there. And then, you know, I I think, too, you know, I've kind of been curious, you know, because you look at the in 4A and I think Chesterton is probably uh, the team you would think could come out of the north and play in the semi-state against whoever comes out of most likely that uh, the, the Noblesville sectional. Uh, although there's a few homestead will have a say in that, I think, in the regional. But, you know, can Chesterton get through uh, Dapo again? You know, that's going to be a really tough game or or potentially tough game. You would assume they would play each other in that Portage sectional up there in the north. And then if they can get through that, it's a pretty good route, I think, for the winner of that game to get to the semi-state. So can they stay undefeated and and get through there? Uh, That'll be a big question. And then, you know, for you guys down there, I think, you know, who comes out of the south? In um, Seymour, and uh, you know, you think Floyd Central uh, has been maybe the toughest team. You've got another team in the uh, Martinsville section of Bloomington North, that has been coming on of late with JQ Roberts and uh, and Nick Clyber and that that group. So they're a senior; uh, they have quite a few seniors anyway on that team, and and a really good junior as well. So you know what that uh, you know what that regional could look like uh, the following week with with you know probably Floyd Central if they can get through and and maybe Bloomington North Columbus North also a, a factor and you know that's sort of wide open I would say uh, down there and then you know uh, the the uh, regional at uh, southport I think could be any number of teams as well and cathedral cathedral and I know they lost to Floyd Central down there uh but man they're so talented can they finally break through uh, CJ Gunn is out for the opening game against Christmas Addicts, uh you know so how will that affect that that sectional at north Central uh, that's always a fun one too so there's just a lot of I think a lot of things to uh you know to look forward to uh in foray and just a lot of unknowns I think every night there's probably going to be some teams that fall by the wayside that maybe you didn't expect to and some teams advance that uh, are, are maybe somewhat surprising I think that's you know there's so, it's sort of been that type of year I would expect that to continue in the tournament.
0: All right, uh, Kyle, you mentioned we're getting ready to close things out here, but you mentioned earlier in the segment the uh, South Bend-Washington team maybe could win the old Tournament of Champions, which existed for just a season or two when they got the four class champions together and had a random draw, and then the winners played each other a Final Four in a championship game. I'm curious, in our world today where everybody wants to win a championship, but also – you you want a champion of champions? If if that it, we have no idea. Just bringing this up on a whim here, but I, I do wonder what the interest in that would be like in today's basketball world to get the four class champions together and play it out to a overall champion. I thought it was a neat concept. Uh, gave you another week of the season as well.
1: Yeah, I I think it might go over better now than it did back then because you know back then it was. You know, right after class basketball, you know, had started, and you know there was definitely some, you know, there, you know, as you know, a lot of people who weren't for that. Uh, so I think it's it sort of felt anticlimactic. I think, and, and at that time, it wasn't uh, viewed as very popular, and I think people kind of have that reflection of it even now. Uh, but I, I, I think I think it'd be a fun idea. The only problem with that, I think, is you celebrate a championship and then you have to come back and play the next week. So. You know, that would be the negative against it, but you know I'm all for it, too. Anything that extends the season a little bit longer, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be for that.
0: Absolutely. Kyle Nedrip with us here on this Friday. Kyle, thanks for the chat. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, Matt. That's going to wrap things up for this Friday edition of the program. Catch you tonight out at Jeffersonville. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.